You're listening to Gloomwatch, an actual play RPG podcast using the Monster of the Week system. Between waking and sleep, the sun setting and the stars shining, there's a space not light or dark. Twilight belongs to the restless dead, the selves that aren't there, those on the outside of the light reaching from the dark. Few can see into this shadowy space and push back the unwelcome trespassers. This is the echo, the quickly fading picture, the memory of a dream upon waking that is the record of those few. The Gloom Watch goes to their duty and we will try to remember them. In an ice-clad cave, a figure sits at a bare metal desk, puffing out clouds of frozen breath, limbed by the flickering pale light of a computer screen. When it speaks, there are no sounds, but words begin to crawl across the screen, not appearing as if drawn by any computer, but simply appearing as though they had always existed. Subject at 1, AF Log, 90213-202-1643. Able Subagents, 7111-8919-013-111-31715. NA Paranormal Investigation 1 within Disparate Anima, 192022. Transcript from ERG 669. Olivatis and Roberts were able to confront the manifestation of Harvey Shake and dispose of his remains in a successful exorcism of the Shake house, but not without the casualty of Tom Rylander. After successful discovery and disposal of the remains of Harvey Shake, location flagged, then cleared his potential ace disturbance. Further investigation needed, especially upon analysis of ABLE subagent 7111-81919. Note to ERG-221. At this space-time coordinate, OR deemed potential, but not yet alpha priority. Further observation needed. Everyone, I'm Muppet, and I will be playing Morgan Roberts, your self-help psychic from YouTube, and I'll be using the Spooky Playbook. And I'm Rake. I'll be your keeper of monsters and mysteries. Hi, I'm Tane, playing Elena Olivares, your full-time Advent Foundation Legacy, part-time ghost tour guide, and I am using the Initiate Playbook. And I believe where we left off, Elena and Morgan were outside the shake house having just essentially given harvey shakes severed hand the last of his remains as far as you know a very thorough burial involving a box a lock some earth from a cemetery a sacred or binding rope a rune covered secret compartment in the back of an old car And then upon investigating the living room fireplace, you found a strange green glass-like cartouche with a carving of a bird skull on it in nine pieces. And I think you also have the body of the deceased Todd Rylander in the back of Elena's car. So what do you do? It's a very good question. Um, uh, Clearly, (laughs) we're going to pack up the glass shards and take them with us. Yes. Those have to come with us. But what do we do about the body? I mean, I guess we have to call 911 now. Like, there's no real any other choice. (laughs) I suppose you're right, but uh, I think we need to have Candace here first. I mean, maybe? No, I don't know. Like, if we do bring her here, just hear me out, this is gonna be crazy. And she sees her husband dead. Then she's going to blame us. And then she's going to freak out. (laughs) 
And then we're going to be arrested and charged with murder. <laughs> Just a thought. Now, are you saying this because you think you've had a vision or are you just worried about what's going to happen? I'm worried about what's going to happen because we're probably going to go to jail. All right. Then you let me handle this part. You're welcome to it. Um, This is my first dead body, so I don't know what the like, proper procedure is other than calling 911. <laughs> so the first thing that you do is you contact the spouse or the immediate family member or whoever hired you to do this job. You inform them of the tragedy, and then you have a discussion about exactly what you're going to tell the police when you call them. Does the Advent Foundation have any procedures here? Or I, I think the answer is absolutely. But I guess the real question is, does Elena know about them? <laughs> she knows which ambulance company to call. So are you saying there's a specific ambulance company that, that does some business with the Advent Foundation? Why, yes. <laughs> Do you know the name of the company? I don't even know what ambulance companies normally have for names. Probably some boring corporate stuff usually, right? They usually lodge like county names or um, like departments. But yeah, boring stuff. So is there a Patina County Ambulance or is it? Is it, oh, it would probably be like a national or, yeah, it would probably be an, a national company probably, huh? It's the First Care Emergency Medical Services Company. First Care? Yep. They have a really lame commercial on TV that your first care is their first care. Bad. <laughs> All right. But you want to get the loved one involved before you make that call, right? Right, in case there's any specific requests and because you don't just want to cart their loved one away in case they want to have a last moment or a punch in the face, you know, whatever. Right. So what are you doing? So first I'm going to call the Jackalope hole and, the and give them the room number and ask them to patch me through. And then... I'm going to adopt a suitably comforting tone of voice. Of course. Well, so you take out your phone to call. And as you do that, pretty much exactly at the same time as you do that, you hear two bings, two blinglings. One of them comes from the open window or the broken window. So you can tell it's coming from the second story of the house inside. And the other one comes from Morgan's cell phone. And Morgan, when you look at your phone, you have a text from Candace. Uh, at first, it's just one, and then it's a series of them. And they seem to be along the lines of texted Todd, and then time stamped a few minutes after that. Todd hasn't gotten back to me. If you see him, please let him know what's going on. And then another one after that, that sounds a little more panicked, asking for the status of the situation. Basically, what's going on? I haven't heard from Todd. Are you okay? And then another one and so on. And it seems as though sometime in the last, say, 15 minutes, Candace has sent you a text that said, I don't know what's happening. I hope, I hope you're okay. I'm calling 911. But Elena, as far as you know, is just a few innocent text message notifications. Morgan, are you going to do anything before Elena starts dialing? to text like the wind and a millennial would do uh <laughs> and i'm going to text candace wait for a phone call elena's gonna call you and give you an update you might okay. want to sit down 
and then it'll send it before she calls. <laughs> okay. So Morgan, you, uh, or uh, I should say Elena, you, you see Morgan doing this. I don't know if you think anything of it, but I assume you go ahead and call Candace, right? I do because I don't really care about the whole texting thing. Fair enough. You're pretty young for a boomer, but you know, that works, I suppose. Elena's old fashioned in her soul <laughs> there. Uh, so it just rings. It, it barely rings once. And then there's a panicked voice. Hello. Oh, thank God. Thank God you're okay. Ah, I never heard from Todd. Did you, did you manage to talk to him before he, he went in the house? Is everything okay? Did you fix it? I have some terribly tragic news for you, Candace. We were able to make your home safe, but unfortunately, we were not able to save Todd. What? There's silence from the other line, or from the other end for a moment. What do you mean you weren't able to save him? We were not aware that he had gotten home before we got back. And it seems that the spirit murdered him. I'm very sorry. So you just, there's uh, some noises, some some rattling sounds from the phone. And then you hear uh, the sound of crying, sound of she's crying. Doesn't sound like she's next to the phone anymore. And that goes on for a minute or two. She comes back and she says, well, what? Well, what? What what now? What do we do? Oh shit! Well, I, I when I didn't get any response from Todd, and I didn't hear from you all. I called I called the sheriff's off a department. I called nine one one. I had him send someone out. I didn't know what was going on. And and about that time, you hear the sound of distant sirens. Unfortunately, I'm going to have to call you back. <laughs> uh, we have a situation that needs to be taken care of. And you hang up? No, I hand the phone to Morgan. <laughs> Uh, hi, Candace. Um, just, you just feel like you're like sniffling noises. I'm so sorry. I I thought you had called him and told him to go to the hotel. I tried to call him, but reception is so bad out here. And you know, if he was between here and the city, I don't know. So I texted him. I, usually he gets those. I don't know what happened. Did, did you, didn't you get any of my texts? I, te- I probably sent you, I don't know, 20 messages. Look at my phone while I'm talking to Candace. I'm going to see when my phone says I received her texts. Well, you know when you received them because they all alerted you at the same time. You can see, Elena, you can see red and blue lights distantly uh, driving in the darkness. I stow my spear away in a secret compartment in the back of the Bronco along with my tactical vest. Okay. And I think it's a good time for you to roll your beginning of mystery move. I do have a question about that. Am I still in good standing? As far as you know, we'll say yes. Nine. And what does it say for a nine? On a seven to nine, you get a mission associated with the mystery. And if you do it, you'll get some info or help too. Okay. So you are hastily stowing your, let's call it more tactical gear in the secret compartment of your Bronco. Morgan, you're consoling Candace on the phone, I presume. Yes. And at, and that's when the dust kicking up into the red and blue lights in the darkness of the sheriff's car pulls into the driveway. There's only one man behind the wheel, and it is a man as far as you can tell. And he, he pulls up, lights still running, and the door opens. Are you doing anything? 
I'm going to walk forward until I am in the light of the headlights so that he can see me clearly. I have my hands up. Morgan? Uh, I'm going to tell Candace that the police have arrived and that we will call her back as soon as we are done talking to him. Them. Okay. And then you do what? Throw the cell phone at the police car? No. Uh, since I have both cell phones, I'm going to stick one in each pocket and then hold my hands up in f- like above my head. Make it clear that I'm okay. not a threat. <laughs> Got it. Well, a man gets out and he isn't, his weapon isn't drawn. He does leave the door open and he stands on the other side of it and seems to survey. He sticks a hand up onto his hat. You know, the broad brim sheriff's hat that the Spectero town sheriff wears is brown and mostly brown uniform. And he, you could see him squinting through the headlights in your direction. And he's a, he's a pretty tall, slim build man with bushy eyebrows and a pretty short cropped goatee and mustache and uh, kind of large ears. And he, after looking at the two of you, you standing there with your hands up, both of you in the light, he says, good evening. Oh, thank goodness you're here, officer. We have a situation. I, I don't exactly know how to explain it. <clears throat> a friend of ours has been having issues with her husband, and we had taken her earlier to, to the motel in town. And when we came back out here to check on him, uh, I think he tried to throw himself out of the window. We tried to give him some medical help. He's in my car. I, I don't... <sighs> I don't think he's among the living anymore. He kind of sighs. He tugs the the brim of his hat down a little bit more and, and he says, do I understand you correctly is uh, that you're saying there's a dead person here somewhere? Right here in my car. All right. Y'all just keep your hands where, where, where I can see him. In fact, uh, why don't you go ahead and take a few steps back toward the house there and I'll, I'll come inspect the car, your car with your permission, ma'am. Of course, officer. I will go sit on the front porch steps <laughs> put my hands on my knees and don't move all right so i assume elena does something similar yeah she stands next to morgan at parade rest all right you see him kind of slowly he comes out from behind the the door and you know he's he's probably six four six five maybe 200 pounds uh, but you can see you know he's armed he's he's a sheriff he walks over to the the back door of the car uh, the Bronco, right? And kind of has half an eye on you. He, he stands behind the door and you can see him leaning in and rearranging something in, uh, within the, the vehicle, presumably the blanket that you dragged Todd out in. And he, he just takes a step back and puts his hands on his hips and just sort of kicks dirt for a minute. Seems to be in contemplation. And he looks over and he says, uh, come on over here, ladies. Just uh, Just keep your hands out, but I just need to talk to you for a minute, ask you a few questions. And Elena will come over as quietly and gently as she can and try to look as helpful as possible. I also come over when I stand next to um, Elena. Well, and on my first inspection here, and do keep in mind that I am not an expert in the medical sciences, it appears as though... Mr. Rylander has had a pretty terrible accident. Does that line up with what you experienced here this evening? Yes, absolutely. I nod. 
can I ask if either of you have any particular objection to uh to, to riding with me down to the station? Don't worry, we'll make sure your vehicles are nice and secure here before we go, just so that I can take your statements and have everything all uh all lined up and, and done officially. That's something you'd be willing to do. Of course, officer. Well, I I'm I'm happy you're you're uh you're cooperative. Why don't you go ahead and get your, your vehicles locked up we'll put mr rylander out here and uh we need to to notify the the medical professionals to come and and do their business here and then once they've arrived and i can be assured that the situation is handled in that way we can be on our way now did you you said you found him in the house is that correct yes we did all right so and you're here on some business you said, uh, what was it again? We are friends of his wife, Candace. Right, right. So you're here at the behest of, of uh, Mrs. Rylander. We are. She could not get a hold of him, and we were in the area. I see, I see. So that sort of leads me to believe that you might have a key to the to the place or uh, something like that? Uh, we do, actually. <laughs> and Morgan will pull out Candace's keys. Well, if you don't mind going ahead and, and locking up, we can just leave everything the way it is here. I'll have to come back later with the deputy to to, to make sure everything is above board. Take a look at the, the situation. You know how that's just the kind of thing you would expect. Let's let's go ahead and do all this business, and uh, and then we'll be on our way uh, out to the office. I know it's late. I shouldn't have to keep you for very long. Uh, I just need to make sure that I get your statements so that we have everything on record. And um, he goes, he heads back to his, his vehicle kind of keeping kind of like sideways looking at you, but it, he doesn't seem to be particularly worried about you. You want to do anything while uh, all this is going on? I'd like to get my phone back. <laughs> I was just, For Morgan? <laughs> I was just about to hand her her phone back and okay. very, very quietly whisper to her. I told you we were going to jail. And then I'm going to go lock up the house. This is actually fairly standard operating procedure. Tell him as much of the truth as possible without mentioning ghosts or demons or really any reason why we're out here. Yeah, sure. That's that's easy. Fine. <laughs> and I go to lock up the house and then lock up my car after grabbing my phone charger. Okay. I will take a few minutes to find the texting app on my phone and update Candace about what we're doing. Locking up the house, uh, waiting for the ambulance to deal with Todd, and then going down to the station and kind of explain the situation to her. Okay. So they're, so true to his word, the sheriff does, uh, he does seem to be on his radio for a few minutes and it isn't, it isn't very long, just a few minutes to wait for the, there is an ambulance that arrives and you see the responders pull up and bring out a bunch of equipment, go and examine the body. And the sheriff kind of nods to the, he opens the the back doors of his car and indicates that you should come with him. And assuming that you do that, you find yourself on the road back to Spectero proper, or at least the town where the sheriff's office is. And he, he has some questions for you on the way there. I think I'm familiar with you, Miss Roberts. Uh, you've been living here for a little while, right? Kind of on and off again, sort of. Not really. Moved around a lot when I was little, but you no. Know, I've been here for several years now. Yeah, I'm not uh, 
I don't spend a lot of time on the internet, but I think I've seen some some of the stuff that you've done. It's interesting to have somebody like you living here in Spectero. Not the usual kind of thing. And uh, Miss Olivares, I think I actually knew your mother. I'm sorry, I don't think she mentioned you to me. Yeah, I can't imagine she would have. Uh, as I understand it, you were gone for, for quite a while. Unfortunately, I think I was gone too long. And uh, I was not here when she passed away. Well, um, I'm sorry for your loss. Uh, I, I realize it's been a while, but uh, I'm sure it's still that, that kind of... When a parent passes, it definitely will leave a mark. But um, I'm happy that you're back to your roots, so to speak. I know that Spectero isn't exactly the most exciting and metropolitan place to live, but it's always uh, a welcome when one of us returns to the nest, so to speak. How, do you, uh, how are you finding things now that you're back? There are certainly things that I've missed while being gone. You can't really get enchiladas like you do here. I don't know. I think it's. I think it's going pretty well. I guess you could say I'm picking up where she and my grandmother left off. Yeah, your grandmother was an interesting person too, if I recall. I believe I had her uh, junior year English. If I if I remember right, I think that was the that was the first year that um, one of my friends convinced me to go bungee jumping. And if, and uh, I have to tell you that it wasn't nearly as terrifying as coming into your grandmother's class late that year. Always with the evil eye, her huh? <laughs> well, I don't believe the rumors that she had an actual evil eye. And I won't speak ill of the dead, so we'll just leave it at that. Well, here we come. Here we are. And he, he pulls into the, the tiny little office attached to City Hall where Morgan was recently looking up some records and gets out of the car, lets you out. It's pretty obvious to you while you're in there that there was no way to open the back door from inside, obviously. And uh, he takes you into the office. He, tur- he turns the light on when he comes in. It's a very simple place. It's got a couple of desks. You can see there's a back room. You don't see any, you know, <laughs> country jail bars with, uh, you know, the town drunk sleeping it off or anything. Uh, although there is a, a plain white hallway with a, one of those file folders hanging up right outside of it that you presume goes somewhere. And he, he gestures, he play drags a chair across from one desk to the other and pulls it in front of one of the desks and he goes around it and he says, uh, give me a minute to bring the, bring it up on the computer here. God, I hate these things. Um, uh, but I, I hate I hate typing it more than once, or hate writing it down and then typing it. So let me just put it right in here. And uh, you you all don't mind if I record your statement, do you? Oh, not at all. And he pulls a little device out from the the desk drawer and fiddles with it for a minute, sets it down, and he you know types away t- types away for a minute at the computer and and uh, says some stuff about the date and the time. Asks each of you to state your name, and then he says. So the two of you were in Candace Rylander's house for uh, doing her doing some work for her or something. Can you can you explain the nature of your presence at the house tonight? I look at Elena. <laughs> so from what we can gather, Candace has not been feeling herself lately and there were some issues with the baby Alice and from what I know she and Todd were having disagreements. He thought she was 
overreacting and she was nervous. So we picked her up and Alice and we took both of them to the Jackalopole where we got them a room. You know, sometimes in marriages you need space apart. Um, But it seemed that Todd hadn't been answering her texts. So we were coming out to the property to see if he was there, if he was angry with her, if he'd gotten the texts at all. And when we arrived, uh, we had noticed that the garage door was open and we were standing there figuring out whether we should go look in the garage or knock on the door. When we heard glass breaking, we went around the side of the house and saw a glass on the floor and his arm hanging out of the window. We went inside. We tried to pull him off the window ledge and just his arm was a mess. It looked like somebody had stuck it in a blender. So we tried to uh, put a tourniquet on it and stabilize him. And we were trying to get him downstairs so that we could drive him to the hospital, the clinic, whatever, wherever we could go, think to go. And, uh, you know, he just died. And he asks the same question of Morgan. I presume Morgan gives basically the same information. And he, he asks some more questions, some specific questions. What time did you arrive? He asks your opinion of he asks your opinion of Candace and Todd's relationship and whether there was any signs of because you mentioned, you know, that they were sort of having a disagreement. He asks if either of them seemed irrational or they or violent potentially. Uh, he asks some questions about your relationship with Candace. And I presume you just say that you're her friends. We don't have to walk through the entire interrogation, but it's pretty casual for a conversation that's being recorded and written down. He doesn't grill you, really. He does ask you to repeat a few details, each one after the other. But because you're sitting right next to each other, it's not difficult for you to do that. And then he sort of sighs. And you see him reach over and turn off the the recorder on the desk. And he does something on the computer and and gets up and he goes, uh, well, I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and make some coffee. Um, uh, Can I offer either of you coffee? We have we also have water and I think somebody left some Mr. Pib or something in the I don't know. It's brown. It's a cola of some sort. I'm afraid we don't have anything. There might be some tea. I can rummage around for that. Can I offer either of you anything? Water's fine. Thank you for offering to begin with. I would give a kidney right now for a cup of coffee. All right. Well, you uh, sit tight. I'll be right back. And he, he leaves the room for a few minutes. Do you do anything or you're just ca- uh, content to wait for your coffee and water? Elena, Elena, look at this. And I pull out my phone. And I show her the time between texts. Like, we got there at, at sundown. But look at when the time, when the texts came in. That's like so long afterwards. You know how it is out here? You have to have hot spots and, you know, people can't get internet because they live one whole foot over a certain street or, I don't know. I think it's really terrible infrastructure and somebody should work on that. But it's weird. Like, I said, somebody should look at that. <laughs> <laughs> Elena's like trying to give her the 
hand across the throat gesture without actually doing the hand across the throat gesture. Okay, okay, okay. Just thought you should know, but me, 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 me. Uh, and she, and she does that to to Elena, and then goes back to her phone. So how Friday. many hits did you get on your last channel? My la it you be my last video. Yeah. <laughs> well. So I I hear you're on the YouTube's. <laughs> Actually, I got quite a few, which is really positive because that means more people are starting to watch my channel and actually learn something. But and and she just goes off on this like high rate about the uh, financial aspect of of her um uh, her videos and what what ad what how much money she makes from how many subscribers and, and likes and blah 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 it all clearly goes over elena's head partially because she's only half paying attention what she'd like what i'd like to do is i'd like to clock entrances entrances and exits i want to see if there's a camera somewhere in the room i'm basically scoping out what they've got on their side well, you do see a couple of cameras, and other than the front door, the only exit seems to be down that hallway, uh, which is where the sheriff is. You can hear footsteps approaching from that direction. There are bars on the windows. There are windows on either side of the building or either side of the uh, the front office here, and the hallway you know you can tell easily goes back into the the main building that eventually is connected to city hall. The front door again has bars. It is glass. You can see through it, but there's some pretty sturdy looking bars covering it and you know that it isn't locked um you can clearly see it isn't locked it's sort of you can see that it's it doesn't shut very firmly exactly how hosed do i think we are well that's a good question so far there hasn't been anything to merit this as a bad situation it, you think that the sheriff's behavior is potentially strange under the under the circumstances but you also think that if he was a t he had any strong feeling that either of you were a danger to yourselves or others <laughs> that he wouldn't be treating you this way unless he has some other motive which is too soon to say he does come back into the room he's got two coffee cups uh, with a steaming brew in him in one big old hand. And in the other one, he has what looks like a Spectero Scorpion Birds uh, plastic cup from one of your Little League's baseball games that he sets in front of Morgan. And you can see there's some water. And he says, I couldn't find a straw. I hope that's okay. And uh, puts a cup of coffee in front of Elena. And he sets down some non-dairy creamer and sugar packets he says well, sorry we're out of the the only only other thing we have is the blue stuff i hope that's all right um i have to say he goes and sits back behind the desk and takes a sip of his coffee kind of folds one leg up puts, puts one boot on on his other leg and leans back in his office chair which you hear creak with the agony of budgets past denied <laughs> I was interested to see what y'all were going to say when I asked you about Candace's ghost problem. Yes, ma'am. Thank God. All right. So what did you know about it? <laughs> Wait, what? He knows. Exactly. How do you know? Well, Candace and I have been living in the same town off and on just like you and, and just like you, I suppose. 
for a while now. And uh, she we had a conversation shortly after uh, Family Services gave them a visit because, of course, she wanted some advice. And I'm known for being pretty friendly for the most part. And uh, I mentioned that I had some I, I was a friend of of your mother. And I'm curious to know if the phrase, I don't know if I'm saying this right, tempore omnis serviamus means anything to you, Miss Olivares. Or even you, Miss Roberts. Does it mean anything to me? <laughs> yeah, it does. Well, <laughs> it's Latin, which probably Elena has some knowledge of. It's poorly translated as in time. It's either in time we all serve or time serves all of us. Something like that. I'm not sure how much Latin Morgan knows. That's up to you. She doesn't know Latin. <laughs> and you can see he watches your face closely when he says the words and he goes, well, it was worth a try. I think it's possible that you and I may have mutual friends and potentially mutual enemies for that matter. And uh, I have... It's, as it happens, I have an occasion this evening, and I'm, I have to tell you, I'm pretty broken up about Todd. I didn't really like the man that much, but he, he, he didn't deserve what happened to him. I have to presume that whatever you were dealing with in that house got to him. And so really what I want to ask you first and foremost is, is it over? My hand to God. You sound pretty sure of yourself, so that's good. Well, in that case, I'm... I'm assuming that you're going to be contacted by our mutual friends with, before too long. And I'm going to do my very best to cash in what little favor I can get from them because I have an, my own problem. And I, I honestly, since your mother passed, I don't have anyone else in this town to turn to for these sorts of things. What I said in the car where I was taking up where she left off, I meant that. So if you think this place is secure enough, you can go ahead and tell me what you need. Well, I'll, um, let me just let me just show you. And he he turns back to the computer. You can see him turn it on because when he reaches out to touch the screen, his face is lit up by the, the monitor. He messes around with it for a minute and then he turns it around so that you can see it. And what it looks like you're looking at is some grainy, uh, maybe... 10 frames per second video footage from at first you're not sure because of the quality is because how of how bad the quality is but it becomes obvious very quickly based on the gas pumps that you can kind of make out and the front of uh some lit up doors and the flickering partial neon sign that what you're looking at is surveillance for uh, footage from like a gas station or a service station, something like that. And you watch as a car pulls up and pulls up to one of the gas pumps and you see a, a man get out. A gentleman gets out wearing, you know, looks like a pretty typical get up for these, this neighborhood. It's like overalls and a hat and starts to pump gas into this truck. I said it was a car. It's a truck. Can't tell what color it is because the footage is in black and white. And as he's standing there just pumping gas and he looks like he might be kind of tired, his head bows down a little bit. A figure comes out uh, from the top of the screen, moving at the speed of somebody running a marathon or a race, like just hauling ass and jumps onto the, f the hood of the car or the truck, rather, which you can see dents in a little bit. It jumps up onto the roof of the cab and the man 
pumping gas starts to back away and the figure which you can very pretty clearly see is a really big man really bulky looking guy not very tall but beefy built jacked we'll call him and he's wearing like a backward baseball cap he's got a shirt on but it's torn all to hell and you can see that there's dirt or blood pretty much all over it and like a pair of khaki or not khaki but like patterned shorts like um like half shorts like almost swim trunks no shoes at all and he jumps off the the cab of the the roof of the cab basically straight into head first into the the man backing away from the gas pump and then he does starts doing something to the man on the ground it's pretty brutal he's using his hands his fingers he's it looks like he might be biting him and the man is just struggling underneath him like a small animal trapped under a rock a second later the sheriff's car pulls up you can do definitely recognize it and a familiar looking figure the sheriff himself gets out of the car stands behind the door and there isn't any audio but you can see that he's shouting or he's definitely making some kind of imperative command at the man the the, the huge bulky figure on the ground and then he fires a, a number of times into the the big guy and the big guy doesn't he, he every shot he flinches you can see him jerk away but he doesn't do anything else he keeps savaging this man on the ground and then he stands up holding part of the man from the ground and then runs off past the sheriff's car the sheriff follows him with his pistol continuously firing jumps back in the, into the car and drives off camera and the sheriff kind of takes another sip of his coffee tilts his head around so he can see the screen because well it looks like that's over now i put six rounds into sully and i've known sully since i was a kid hell of a linebacker pretty nice guy and i watched sully tear a man out a throat a man's throat out with his teeth pick up some of his body parts after being shot in the chest six times and run away so fast that i couldn't catch him in my car Granted, I can't drive through people's yards, and that certainly complicated things, but somewhere out there in the desert is either the corpse of a man who must have taken enough PCP to make the entire town see flying unicorns, or the corpse of a man who had something like that, or or he's still out there. I don't know. I don't know if what's, what's going on here, but I've lived in Spectero long enough to know that I, I don't think... Uh, this is something that I can deal with on my own. Jack is retired and doesn't like me anyway. M Mrs. Olivares passed away some time ago. I'm going to need some help with this one. Uh, <laughs> I mean, honestly, just in my professional capacity, uh, the video you just showed us, the things that we have heard, the stories my mother used to tell, es un hombre lobo, a werewolf. No, don't say that. <laughs> I mean, but he wasn't like furry and had the reflective eyes and the teeth and the drool. Six bullets to the chest, rip the man's throat out with his teeth. I mean, what could what what could the other possibilities be? Actually, quite a number of things that this could be gone. We can rule out uh, aliens. <laughs> they wasn't aliens. We're too boring for aliens. Okay. 
say how we are. Um, I mean, look at the way he le- leapt on there. Like, clearly there's something adding to his natural prowess, if you will. I, I assume linebacker is something from a sport. Yeah, we covered that. <laughs> Sully was a linebacker, so the sheriff said. But adding to his natural prowess, still not convincing me it's not a you-know-what. If there was a werewolf around, everybody would be a werewolf or dead. I'm, I'm just saying, like... Don't, like, we've seen the movies, right? We've seen, you know, we've read the books. We know what fan fiction writers think. I personally don't believe in werewolves. It's all right. They don't need you to believe in him. Well, whatever it is, I know I don't have any any right to ask favors of you. Uh, uh, We more or less just met. But if you're going to stay in this town for very long, you know... (laughs) It it might do it might be useful to to have me owe you one. It might be useful to not have this whatever's happened to Sully happening, maybe even to you. As as I'm going to be honest, as soon as you showed us the video, this is definitely something we have to take care of. And we're going to need a ride back to our cars. Well, absolutely. I mean I would take you back to your your cars whether you wanted to help me or not, but uh, let's go ahead and finish this up. I don't. I can't have stuff in the car anymore. I've, I've, I've spilled too many things, and I'm going to get in trouble with Lila if I keep it up. So, um, do you have any questions for me before we head back? Well, I guess we could talk on the way there if you want. I I have a lot of questions. <laughs> oh, and it's just going to drown the coffee, like just mainline it. She's been drinking it black this entire time. So, you make your way out to the vehicle after your. You, you know, do whatever with your coffee and your water, etc. And uh, Sheriff does the same with his coffee, just kind of slams it real fast and then makes a face since it was still pretty hot. All right, let's get this show on the road. Wait, so we're not and, being uh, arrested? What? No. Uh, no, you're not. I mean, like I said, I've been the sheriff here for, well, I guess it's been about eight years now. And uh, the one thing that the new sheriff of Spectero always gets told is how sometimes these accidents do happen. And I realize that that sounds shady as hell, but these are, this is not the fault of a person that you can throw in jail. As far as I'm aware, if I find, if I have find out, I have some reason to believe I'm wrong. Don't worry. I'll find you, but no, you're not being arrested. I've taken your statements. They sounded pretty good for the record. Uh, and, uh, and that's how it's going to be entered. Accidental death. I, I will I will refrain from asking for details because I know better than that. Very wise of you. As long as I have your word that this situation is resolved, I think that we can all help Candace and Alice move on in whatever manner we can. And, and that's all. And that's about the best that we can do. So while you're driving, he, uh, he doesn't turn on the radio or anything. He, he's... He says, I'm open to any answer any questions I can for you. Can you tell us uh, about Sully? Well, what do you want to know specifically? Like I said, he's uh, he's a good kid. Or I should say he was a good kid. I mean, he's my age. Pretty, pretty tough fella in general. He likes to get in fights here and there at the at the bar when he's had a few too many. But otherwise, he's never really been a problem. He's a mechanic by trade. Lives above his uncle's antique shop. What else do you want to know? Oh, 
do you want to know if he can run like a bat out of hell and <laughs> take six bullets in the chest? Not before recently, no. That's a new development. Can you tell us what he looked like when you saw him? Like, aside from the blood, which I assume there was a copious amount of. Yeah, I mean, he it looked like he had been put through the ringer. He had a pretty bad road rash on his back and chest. Like, you know, he'd been dragged or hit the pavement really hard. A lot of blood, actually. And uh, his clothes were pretty tore up. It was weird that he wasn't wearing any shoes. And his feet were just as tore up as his back and chest. Maybe a little worse. I didn't get a real close-up look at him. But the thing that sticks with me the most, the thing that really... That, that, that I see every time I close my eyes is he he didn't have any expression on his face even as he was ripping into to that guy at the gas station he just looked like he was I don't know cutting his toenails looked like he was on his way to work or just nothing and I sh- after I shot him he did luck over at me and I thought for sure he was coming in my direction next um, and it didn't change I think that was the moment when I knew that this wasn't a normal problem. Yeah, you'd think it would be like the third or fourth shot, but no, I, I've I've seen that happen a time or two. It's pretty rare and pretty scary when it happens, but it, it can happen. Sometimes you just someone just doesn't know they're dead for a few minutes after they are. I guess is one way to put it. But n- not. But I didn't really know something was wrong until I saw the look on his face. Have I? Have I? Um, heard of something like this before? Like, in in the last four years, has this been something that has come up on, like... Mm, no, I don't think so. I mean, if you're just guessing based on things you've read about or experienced or uh, have heard about, like, through rumor, you could make some guesses, maybe, but nothing, nothing exactly like this at all, no. Okay. Was he seeing anyone? No, he, he was... Sully was pretty, pretty much a confirmed bachelor, I guess you could call him. He hasn't, he had in the past, but not, not lately, as far as I know. I think that's the kind of thing that uh, we might find out in the course of our investigation. But I don't know personally if that Sully had any significant other. Has he ever had an issue with drugs or alcohol? Alcohol, alcohol, perhaps. Um, like I said, he does like to get in to the occasional tussle at the bar. And I think that's just mostly because Sully's, Sully was a big guy. And uh, once he's had, he's gotten a few in him, he tends to get kind of uh, belligerent, I suppose you could call it. He's not really a bully and he doesn't do it on purpose as far as I can tell. But some people like to pick, like used to like to pick on Sully because he wasn't what someone would call the brightest bulb in the, the hardware store. He was, but he was, but Sully actually isn't, isn't a stupid man or wasn't, I guess. I mean, I don't know if he's still a man or not, but whatever. He wasn't as dumb as a lot of people thought he was and his feelings would get hurt pretty easy actually. So every now and then he'd have a few beers and somebody would call him a name or kind of tease him or something and he'd he'd deck him out. But usually it pretty much would end there. He'd hit somebody and they either they would or wouldn't call me depending on depending on how much the the person he hit cried about it basically. I wouldn't describe him as violent until, you know, recent events. And you haven't seen him since? I have not. I did like I said I did chase him a few. Chased I chased him all the way to the highway and then he uh 
ran it ran through a couple of between a couple of properties i kind of started to give chase on foot there but after that i it just occurred to me there uh, there wasn't any way i was going to catch him like that my plan this evening was to put up stake outside his house or I should say outside of his apartment to see if he was going to come back for something or you know how it is. Um, but of course I got called away on, on different business. What do you know about the man that he tore apart? Well, not too much. I know he came down here from the city and I guess he was probably just passing through. His next opinion have been notified. <clears throat> his body is at the coroner. And as far as I, I can't imagine he had any relationship with anyone in Spectero, let alone Sully. Did you happen to get the man's name? The, the victim's name? Yes. Fernando Potter. He's about 53 years old, and as far as I could tell, a retired, uh, a retired farmer. But you say he was from the city. Yeah. Do you I think mean, once... Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, people move when they retire... Like, sometimes they just want to be away from where they weren't, so they move to the city to be like, I have all this free time, now I get to new, get a new hobby. Yay! That's it, that was all. <laughs> that is, that is same thing. Once we've gotten our vehicles, do you think you could take us down to the coroner's office that we can get a look at the victim before the family arrives? Like, yeah, I think I can arrange that. It's, uh, it's not open right this minute, but, uh, uh based on recent events, it... I'll probably have to call Doc in just for a, an initial assessment anyway. What was the name of his uncle's shop? Oh, the antique shop? Yeah. Yeah, that's the, right there on Main Street. Uh, it's called Kachina House. You may want to talk to the uncle, see if he's seen him or knows anything more personal. We should also get a look at the antiques they're selling. Sometimes objects are cursed. Yeah, absolutely. That did occur to me. And I mean, it's right there in the name, Kachina. Kachina, Kachina means curse? I thought it was some kind of doll. I'm not an expert, but uh, sometimes they represent spirits of deities or evil, sort of uh, a version of demons, I think. Well, first I've heard of it, but I'm no expert. So did you guys have any other questions for, uh, for the sheriff before you arrive at your car? It's pretty, It's you know, it's like a 20-minute drive, so you could probably ask anything you wanted to, really. We have Sully's last name, or his uncle's last name. Yeah, Sully, Sully is Bart Jacob's nephew, which I should probably check in on Bart, old Bart, uh, in the morning, just in case. It is the right thing to do. Have you had any incidents like this? Animals or accidents? Well, as a matter of fact, and I um, I wasn't 100% sure they were connected, but we did have a trucker found dead underneath his semi, like it had rolled right near the highway, which at the time I thought was a little odd because... I mean, it looked like he had, at some point, had a seatbelt on, but it wasn't connected. I thought maybe a malfunction or something like that, but, I mean, it could be connected. And the day before that, we did have a couple of hikers out on the trail to the, uh, out on the trail to the bottomless lake go missing. Uh, I'm not sure that, that they're just not messing around or whatever, but they were reported missing. You think they could be connected? I guess they could be, huh? 
Possibly. Without exactly knowing all of the details, we can't discount anything. I have at least four or five different ideas of what it could be. I'm glad one of us does, because I have no clue. Well, like I said, the first, the first, my first reaction was possibly a werewolf, um, but it could be a zombie. You mentioned his feet looked torn up and his back and his chest, um, and we saw how fast he was. Legends state that when a Wendigo takes a victim, they run them to death. I don't like any of those choices. What else you got? I'm with the sheriff. It could it could be a cursed item that ended up in the antique shop that might have done it. A witch's curse. Brujeria around here can be used for good or bad. So Well, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to to make more conjecture. So as you're talking to the sheriff and you're driving along, he's he's kind of looking at you in the in the rearview mirror now and again, as you do when you're making conversation. And the dusty road ahead of you, he's got his brights on, of course. You can see rabbits jumping out of the way and other wildlife out here in the middle of the night. And you come around the corner and you're there's a pretty long straightaway right before the shake house where your cars are parked. And you know, he picks up speed a little bit. It's got one of those, it's one of those washboard roads. You know how it is out in the country uh, where it's gravel and dirt and it tends to get a little bumpy. And so there's a lot of bumping noises. And there is a split second, bright light, and then a bang as something flashes in front of the car. And it takes you a second to realize what it is. The sheriff slams on the brakes. You skid out a little bit on the on the gravel, and when by the time the vehicle stops, the headlights are pointed at a familiar-looking, half-naked, bloody, huge-looking guy bent at a 90-degree angle in the wrong direction in the middle of his back. And the sheriff whispers, Well, we found Sully. Thank you for playing with me. Oh, you're evil. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for listening to our podcast. Thank you, everybody. Yes, thank you. It really means a lot to us. Bye. Good night. (laughs) Thanks for listening to our podcast. Credit to Michael Sands, the creator of the Monster of the Week role-playing system. If you're interested in the game, check it out at evilhat.com. Thank you to Kevin McLeod of incompetech.com for use of his performance of the Dance Macabre in our intro and outro music. If you like what you heard or you have feedback you'd like to share, feel free to review us wherever you can. Or email us at gloomwatch at googlegroups.com. For show notes and other random bits, visit our website at gloomwatch.com. Special thanks to Sirenscape for the amazing atmosphere and music. Make sure you check them out at www.sirenscape.com. That's Sirenscape with a Y. Sirenscape's sound and music can make every game better. Good day, evening, or afterlife. We'll meet again in the next episode.